feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. State of the Union, not the State of the Union. And listening to a lot of people talking about Biden's address before Congress, a lot of people are shaking their heads, including Democrats. And boy, it was a raucous night. I was here live with all of you guys. Many of you thanked me for just dipping in and out of it, that you didn't have to listen to the whole thing. And by the way, I agree with you on that because it was painful. But we felt like we needed to at least cover a little bit of it because there were some highlights and there were definitely a lot of lowlights. And there were a lot of people that were fact-checking it along the way, too. I mean, you had Marjorie Taylor Greene literally in real time standing up there and saying, liar, 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 to President Biden when he was saying that Republicans want to gut Social Security and Medicare. That was a wild moment, the back and forth. And then today, a lot of people are looking at so many of the misstatements made by this president. I mean, left and right. First of all, by the way, uh, we figured out he called Tyree Nichols' uh, parents. He referred to their son as Tyler Nichols. Uh, Then he said that Chuck Schumer was the minority leader. He is, of course, the majority leader because the Democrats do have control of the Senate. Um, He just was misspeaking left and right. And then the joke, remember, that he made about Jill Biden, where he said, oh, well, you know, tomorrow she's going to be at the big game. He was referring to the Super Bowl, which, of course, is on Sunday. So he couldn't keep his dates or his stories straight. He was slurring all over the place. So I also want to know from you, do you think that any of these people today that are going out there on the left that are saying, oh, boy, this was a blockbuster performance by this president. He's in re-election mode. If that's re-election mode, you know, uh, we're on Mars because that was painful. I will give it that at least he lasted the entire, you know, hour plus of the speech. But for him to go out there and make it sound like he's now, uh, you know, a rock star after last night's performance, boy, is America in trouble. And boy, were so many of his opinions just so completely out of whack. I want to get your thoughts tonight as to what you thought of his speech. There are people that are coming out here today, by the way, and are swinging about Marjorie Taylor Greene, about her again interrupting the president at one point and calling him out for saying, hey, listen, that's not correct. Uh, That's a lie when you say that Republicans want to gut Social Security and Medicare. Remember, and they're like, no, no, no. And it basically took the wind out of the president's sails because they fact checked him, as I said, in real time. Matthew Dowd, who is a Democratic strategist, as a little bit ago, called Marjorie Taylor Greene the Tanya Harding of politics, saying that basically she was ready to get her ice skates out and club somebody. uh, And that was the way she was handling the State of the Union, that she was so unstately. They, of course, somehow forgot to mention that Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, remember when she ripped up Trump's speech? right when she was standing behind them. But boy, that was stately, right? But Marjorie Taylor Greene calling him out 
and having the, this wild, bizarre conversation with the president as he's there on the podium, that's basically the equation of, you know, Tanya Harding, who, of course, uh, hired, remember the guy, the hitman, if you will, uh, to club Nancy Kerrigan, remember, during all the Olympics years ago. You know, I mean, you go through that whole thing and you go, wait a minute. Boy, what are they looking at? And my friend Geraldo Rivera, I love Geraldo. Geraldo and I used to work together all the time at Fox News. But he put out the most bizarre tweet ever, saying anyone rooting for a cognitive decline lost tonight, referring to the State of the Union. Biden was focused. He was feisty. Sure, you can fault him on some issues, uh, but he owned the hecklers. Did Biden own the hecklers? And then he also said critics who thought that Biden's a stuttering, babbling old fool, but that antique didn't show up at the State of the Union. The president they saw was robust, confident, and in control last night. He won the renomination for re-election last night. That was what my buddy Geraldo Rivera just tweeted out a little bit ago. Were they watching the same speech that you and I were watching Were they watching Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who I thought came across as so forceful, so direct, so clear, uh, so spirited, and I thought made such an incredible, stark contrast between her and President Biden? Well, coming up, by the way, in just about 10 minutes from now here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to have Congressman Mike Lawler of New York. He was part of the Red Wave Uh, In New York, that helped, of course, the GOP gain control of the House. Uh, So we're going to get his take because he was in the chamber last night. So I can't wait to get his reaction to what it was like being there in real time, what he thought of the Marjorie Taylor Greene moment. Was it a Tanya Harding moment, as some of the Democrats are saying? Um, And also, did he think that the president just was talking out of both sides of his mouth? One of the biggest faux pas, of course, was when he got into China. I couldn't believe that he actually sat there and had the audacity again to make it sound like he was tough on China. Are you kidding me? This moment just made my jaw drop. And the fact that this was basically the only reference he made to China in the entire speech. And he spent the entire time basically talking about how great he was in the economy and basically said very little about the border. Of course, he made just a Quick reference, a quick reference to fentanyl. Um, And then, of course, people said, you're responsible for the fentanyl. And then he tried to move on, like, oh, maybe I'm drawing attention to my open border. But this is what he had to say about China, which today everyone is just commenting, saying, what a joke that he's trying to sound like he is the guy in control on national security. Take a listen. This is him referring to the fact that they let that balloon traverse across America And then he finally decided to shoot it down after it got all the intel of our secret bases. Here's the moment everyone's talking about today. Today, we're the strongest position in decades to compete with China or anyone else in the world. Anyone else in the world. And I'm committed. I'm committed to work with China where we can advance American interests and benefit the world. But make no mistake about it. As we made clear last week, if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country, and we did. Look, let's be clear. 
Winning the competition should unite all of us. We face serious challenges across the world. But in the past two years, democracies have become stronger, not weaker. Autocracy has grown weaker, not stronger. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. America's rallying the world to meet those challenges from climate to global health to food insecurity to terrorism to territorial aggression. Allies are stepping up, spending more and doing more. Look. The bridges we're forming between partners in the Pacific and those in the Atlantic and those who bet against America are learning how wrong they are. It's never, ever been a good bet to bet against America. Never. Did anybody understand what he meant when he said, name me a leader who's taken the place of she? And boy, we really took action when we got a balloon down. That's his biggest triumph after it got all the intel across America. Well, Sarah Huckabee Sanders I thought was blockbuster, and I could not believe that I heard in a GOP response uh, something that was so forceful, so direct, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders didn't mince any words what she thinks of the president. President Biden is unwilling to defend our border, defend our skies, and defend our people. He is simply unfit to serve as commander-in-chief. And just a little bit ago, President Trump gave his response also on social media. Take a listen to what he said after the State of the Union, his reaction to Biden. Joe Biden's weaponized Justice Department, and I'm a victim of it, is persecuting his political opponents. His administration is waging war on free speech. They're trying to indoctrinate and mutilate our children. He's leading us to the brink of World War III. And on top of all of that, he's the most corrupt president in American history. And it's not even close. But the good news is we are going to reverse every single crisis, calamity and disaster that Joe Biden has created. What are your thoughts? Where is this headed? And was it the misstate? of the union, as some are suggesting today. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Judith, line two. Judith, your thoughts about, uh, boy, uh, were there a lot of whoppers last night? <laughs> Rita, I'm laughing my head off. Yesterday I called you to say that I didn't listen to the thing, but I heard you and you were fantastic. You were great. I, I love the fact that you were the one that was, like, explaining everything. I can't listen to the man, but I have to tell you, I told you, Screen, I'm calling. I called you right away to say that Sarah Huckabee, she stole the show, Rita. She stole the show. I've got to tell you something. I love two things. I love a thing. I love everything she said, but she said, um, I love the part where she said, it's not right versus left. It's normal versus crazy. That is the truth, Rita. Plus, she said, teaching children to hate by race. That's what's happening, plus a whole bunch of other stuff that we know about. As far as Heraldo goes, he's a bit uh, delusional. You know, what's his name? Biden. He was reading off a prompter, a speech that he didn't write. Okay, so I'm going to give him some marks for that. Thank you. You know, like, give me a break, you know? Well, you know what? It was interesting. His moments. You could almost see when he got off script, too, Judith. That's what was funny. It was like, you know, when he said, that's the fact, Jack, you know, or, uh, you know, or uh, take it to the bank, man. You know, when he did a couple of those. And also when he did, clearly, when he called Chuck uh, Schumer, you know, the minority leader, when he said the wrong name of Tyree Nichols, when he couldn't remember the Ukrainian ambassador's name, 
Uh, there he went off script, Judith. What did you think of those off script moments? Well, you know what? Again, I didn't really listen. I just highlights whatever. But I did hear because of what he was saying, which you said before, where he was talking about, gee, who would want to be in his position? I don't know what the heck he was talking about. I don't think he knows he was talking about. I don't think his brain is translating properly. I have to say that. I think that his brain is a little bit affected and sometimes it's not translating and it's not coming out properly. There's really something wrong with him. And, and that's for sure. But as far as President Trump goes, he gave us a reality check. What he spoke uh, about the State of Union was exactly, exactly what's going on over here. If you want to know reality, you want to know the truth, just listen to President Trump. He tells you the truth because Biden is a big liar. And did you hear Mitt Romney starting up with George Santos? I yes. was laughing my head off. Well, by the way, did, my did you hear the latest salvo on that too, Judith, which was really interesting, is that What's now that? Santos went back at him and said, uh, that's not very Mormon of him. You know, he, <laughs> like the, the battle of war of words. First, Mitt Romney goes over and says, he sh- you shouldn't be in here. You don't deserve to be in front of the president and be in, you know, near the close uh, front row almost or whatever. And you know, shaking hands with everybody, shame on you. And then George you know, Santos was like, uh, who is he to talk? It's getting good. Wow. Absolutely. You know, funny part is that Mitt Romney sitting there and telling him off. Meanwhile, Biden's the biggest liar of all. So, like, what is he doing as a president? He's the biggest liar. He's the president. He's a big liar. So, like, let me tell you from little lies to big liars. But um, Mitt Romney's another guy that I don't know. He's he's it's scary. He almost was president, too. And a uh, big disappointment. But I, I, I want you to know, Rita, I really enjoy your show. You're terrific. And thank you so much for taking my call. <laughs> oh, you're terrific, too, Judith. And I'm glad you enjoyed our coverage. I tried to condense it and make it as least painful for all of you as possible, but still get all the facts out there. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And coming up, Congressman Michael Lawler also to get his take. He was inside the chamber. Uh, was he laughing as much as Judith and I were? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, hot-blooded at certain points. Joe Biden was a little hot-blooded last night. He was, like, screaming at some point, name me another leader. Name me another one. It was like, okay, well, we can name about 40 leaders who right now uh, are dealing with some deceptive practices against America, and you don't seem to be in tap with any of them. So I can name a whole bunch of them. Like, we can get angry right back at you. And then other times he was, like, slurring. And missing his moments. It was really, really bizarre. I want to play, in fact, cut number five. This was a moment. And, in fact, Larry from Brooklyn, I'll never forget, you called in last night and you reminded me of this moment, um, which was great, Larry. And I always appreciate when all of you guys call in and do that. This was this moment where Joe Biden couldn't remember the ambassador from Ukraine to the United States. And remember, he's been working with her closely He's trying to tout this as one of his big foreign policy success that NATO is held together against Putin. And when he came to meet the moment, he couldn't even remember her name. Take a listen to this. We did what America always does at our best. We led. We united NATO. We built a global coalition. We stood against Putin's aggression. We stood with the Ukrainian people to the night. We're once again joined by Ukrainians ambassador to the United States. She represents not her, just her nation. But the courage of her people, Ambassador, is our ambassador is here, united. We're in uniting our support of your country. 
Will you stand so we can all take a look at you? Uh, 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 what's your name? I, 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 I can't remember. It was really bad. And that's why there was this angry moments. And then there was this like senile moments. It was really bizarre. And these bad joke moments. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Dave, what did you make of that moment and some of the others that you thought were whoppers? Hey, uh, Rita, hi. Um, last night in that Kabuki theater, dear leader, he uh, he declares that it's Kumbaya in Changrela. In other words, the economy hasn't been this good since Jesus said, uh, render under uh, to Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, I have screenshots of web pages of where I bought oil. When this man got into office, a, a gallon of fuel oil, and by the way, the price of oil dries up the cost of everything. It was a buck fifty a gallon for a gallon of fuel oil. It's now three dollars and seventy eight cents. And a week ago, uh, two weeks ago, it was it was it was four dollars and four cents. So he, so I know that you like for some reason which I don't understand. You don't uh, you like this guy um, Stan, and he's always repeating Biden's lies. So I would like you to ask Mister Stan if he can explain that. Yeah, yeah, great points. No, and listen, by the way, uh, I like to have everybody on the show. I will have people I completely disagree with, and 99% of the time uh, I disagree with Stan and his ilk who call in. But it's interesting to hear the, like, the Kool-Aid that they're drinking. But, but that's a, that's a great point. Um, and one of the things too, Dave, by the way, not only is that you brought up it's 404, you know, uh, $4 plus. It almost got up to five dollars. So that's the that. But Dave, you know that you know the interesting thing. You brought up Kabuki math because that's exactly what the president did last night on all his economic touting. Because it's like saying, um, you know, oh, uh, I robbed a bank, but I returned uh, half a million dollars, so I saved you half a million dollars. I mean, that's basically what he's saying because he raised it. He's not admitting it's his policies that caused it to raise. He killed Keystone Pipeline and our energy independence. He vilified the gas industry last night. Um, and he reduced it from the $5 that he raised it. But you're right. He still hasn't brought it down to Trump's levels. So that's uh, a very good point. It's, it's, it's all like phony math. And it's the same thing with also inflation. Inflation was super low when he came in. And at one point it was 9 plus percent. He's brought it down now at 6%, but he brought it up to 9%. He inherited a great economy. He inherited a safe border. He inherited a lot of those things. And yet he's trying to claim victory, take a victory lap. And this is the same guy who made it sound like he's tough on China, uh, that he's tough on adversaries around the world. He doesn't bring up the fact how weak he was on Afghanistan, how weak he was at first with Russia, that I contend uh, created the climate for Russia to feel emboldened to go into Ukraine. I don't think they would have gone in if it was President Trump. No way. No how. Even Democrats say that. So you bring up some superb points, and I think Kumbaya and Shangri-La is a good analogy, Dave. And let's see what Stan and his ilk have to say. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment where we honor our great law enforcement and their families. A beautiful story coming from Summersville, West Virginia, where in a ceremony this week, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of West Virginia, Will Thompson, recognized members of the police department there who saved a man's life a few weeks ago after he had ingested fentanyl. On the day of the incident, Corporal Steve Mullins was executing a traffic stop when the man in the vehicle ran away from him, and he noticed uh, that there were plastic bags on the man's person. The man initially told Mullins he had not ingested anything but later told him he did use drugs that were in those bags, and those drugs ended up being fentanyl. Mullins called for assistance from two other patrolmen. They noticed that he became distressed, the guy, and that his lips had turned blue. They then administered Narcan to the man, ultimately saving his life, and kept the man awake until they got him to the hospital. The U.S. attorney there said, quote, Sadly, there's been a lot of negativity around police department in the last couple of weeks in the national press just overall. And I wanted to do something that really highlighted some of the great work that they are doing every single day. So bravo to the U.S. attorney and, of course, all of our great law enforcement everywhere who do so much for all of us. Well, we are talking about what many people are labeling the Miss State of the Union. Boy, it was raucous. It was wild. And there was a lot of fact-checking going on. And joining us now, as I just said, is Congressman Mike Lawler. He is, of course, the newly elected congressman from New York, part of the red wave in New York that changed the House into GOP hands. And he was actually there in the chamber. Uh, congressman Lawler, great to have you here on the show. I can't wait to get your reaction. What was it like being there? And what did you think of the State of the Union? Well, thanks for having me, Rita. And certainly, uh, you know, on a personal level, a professional level, uh, it was a great opportunity to be there. I've watched uh, State of the Unions going back as far as I can remember. Uh, And my wife, uh, who's an immigrant from Eastern Europe, from Moldova, a former Soviet satellite country, uh, she uh, was able to join me. Uh, She became a citizen two years ago. So it was really cool uh, from that perspective to be able to to have her there with me and, and listen to the president deliver the State of the Union. However, I, I have to say it was uh, very disappointing listening to his remarks, both in, in tone and substance uh, or lack thereof, frankly. Uh, I think it was a big missed opportunity on his part. The reality is we no longer have one party rule in Washington. Uh, And I think he missed the opportunity to come in and lay out a vision for how we can work together to address the challenges we're facing from record inflation to skyrocketing energy prices to surging crime in areas like New York to a porous southern border uh, where not only a massive inflow of illegal immigration, but fentanyl pouring into our communities, killing tens of thousands of Americans every day. 
Uh, and then, of course, the, the situation in Ukraine and, and China, our greatest geopolitical foe. He spent more time talking about resort fees and junk fees than he did talking about China, Ukraine and immigration combined. It yeah, was embarrassing. It was. It was stunning. And by the way, Mike, now I know why I like you even more, because my father uh, is Polish. My father was born in Poland. And so the fact that your wife is Eastern European uh, means I love you even more, Mike. So that's even better. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, the, the, the biggest the biggest thing that was just ridiculous about last night, frankly, was the president's uh, intentional misstatement with respect to uh, Social Security and Medicare. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, is on the record saying we are not going to cut Social Security or Medicare. I have long been on the record saying that I would not vote for any uh, legislation that would do that. Uh, and in fact, I have said we need to have uh, you know, a plan to ensure the long-term sustainability of both programs and that they're fully funded. The bottom line is the president stood up in front of the American people last night uh, and said something that was just blatantly untrue. Uh, and, you know, obviously it, it engendered a, a, a back and forth, um, but frankly, he, he relished in it. And I, and I just thought it was a really unfortunate uh, incident and, and something that uh, was really a missed opportunity on his part to, to really bring the nation together. Yeah. And he also took that swipe sort of at the end, equating January 6th Trump to uh, Paul Pelosi. I mean, there were a lot of like sort of uh, unstate of the union, unstately well, comments. It, it, well, I, 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 if I'm being kind, I mean, it was a very disjointed uh, speech uh, and, you know, it, at times incoherent. So, it, you know, it, the whole thing was just unfortunate. I, I think it was a, a missed opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, we are talking to Congressman Mike Lawler. Um, Congressman, you know, you you talked about some of the, you know, word salad um, that he was trying to play with Social Security and Medicare. He also said, basically, I brought down inflation. I brought down the deficit. I brought down gas prices. I mean, if you look at the numbers, it, it, it's just not true. He says it based on, okay, uh, he forgets that there was COVID in many cases. He doesn't talk about why things were so bad when he came in in certain places, although gas prices were great when he came in. He he brought them down from the $5 that he created, basically. I, I think what was uh, remarkable was kind of the total disconnect from his speech and what he was saying versus the reality of where the American people uh, and what they're dealing with. I, I mean, the cost of living is through the roof. The cost of energy uh, prices, home heating costs are through the roof. I filled up my tank in, in Washington yesterday morning, uh, and I paid five forty a gallon. Wow. So I, I don't know what he's talking about when he says he brought down energy costs, he brought down inflation, uh, he, you know, he, he's securing the border, and he's and he's stopping the inflow of of migrants. I mean, it's it's frankly delusional. So we we have serious challenges. And I, and I really wish the president uh, would recognize that Democrats no longer have one party rule in Washington, that we need to work together to address these challenges. Uh, and it requires good faith negotiations, uh, which is what the speaker has asked him to enter into when it comes to our debt ceiling. Uh, we need to fix our broken immigration system. We need to secure the border. We need to take on China. 
our greatest geopolitical foe, the fact that he made no mention of uh, China uh, violating U.S. sovereignty last week is unacceptable. And we need to be serious about this. Yeah, no question about it. What did you think, um, real quick, Congressman, before I let you go, um, about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, her GOP response? I thought she was great. Uh, She was very forceful. I mean, my goodness, at one point she said uh, that he is unfit to serve as commander in chief, citing the border, citing uh, China, citing a whole bunch of different issues. Look, we have a lot of rising stars in the party, new voices like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, like Ron DeSantis, uh, people who are addressing the challenges and the issues in their state uh, and in our country. And I think uh, as we move forward, what is going to be important is to make sure that uh, we are addressing the issues facing the American people and that we are providing real solutions to those challenges. You want to talk about energy uh, costs? We need to increase domestic production of energy, period. Uh, you want to talk about inflation? We need to rein in reckless, out-of-control spending. We can't continue to print new money and borrow at the levels that we have. We have to cut taxes. We have to bring down the cost of living. Uh, and we have to move our country forward in a way that the American people, the American people, uh, are able to thrive and and succeed. And, and that is what the objective is, and that's what the focus has to be going forward. Yeah, 1,000%. And by the way, um, that clarity of message that you just had right now is exactly what you had on the campaign trail and why I'm convinced uh, why you won so well in your race um, in New York, in a blue state like New York. Um, bravo to you, Congressman, and really great to have you here. And I'm glad that you and your wife got to share in that moment last night. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rita. Great to have you here, Congressman, so much. The great Congressman Mike Lawler from New York uh, at his first State of the Union address. We're taking your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jennifer from Boston, who's here on the show. Go ahead, Jen, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, it's always such a pleasure to listen to you. You knocked it out of the park last night, so thanks for listening so we didn't have to hurt our ears. Uh, thank uh, you. I, you know what? I tried uh, to was, make it as, as least painful as possible. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, I was just it. shaking my head like the congressman was. I mean, there were these moments. I can't imagine being in the chamber and hearing it going, what are you, t- what planet is this guy on, you know? If you really sit there and absorb it, it you really, and if you don't laugh, you really want to cry because it, it's, it's so sad what's happening. I want to quickly, if I could, point out a couple of things he talked about and what he didn't talk about. He talked about um, uh, Ty, Tyree Nichols, and he he misnamed him, which was so sad because if you're going to honor someone, you have to <laughs> have the courtesy to say their name properly. Yeah, and um, and, and in fact, and Jen, I, by, the, by the way, Jen, I will let you go further. I I, I just want to play yeah. that moment because uh, and then hey, because it was when I heard it at first, I thought maybe I misheard it because I was listening live like mm-hmm. all of you, and I thought he didn't just call him Tyler, did he? You know, uh, and sure enough, he did. Here it is. Um, this is uh, when he said it last night. Let's commit ourselves to make the words of Tyler's mom true. Something good in this. Something good. I mean, don't you at least look at your cue card and know it's Tyree Nichols, especially when he's trying to make this as, you know, this sort of divisive rhetoric that he continues and he and Kamala could keep doing, Jennifer. 
Correct. So, and I have no problem with him inviting them there, you know, out of respect. It was horrific what happened to that young man. It was horrific. And by the way, Jen, by the way, Jen, I did think, uh, I did think it was a powerful moment. I agree with you. I don't think there was anything wrong with inviting them there. My heart breaks for them. I think America's heart breaks for that family. And I thought when the whole room actually was applauding them and trying to honor their son, I thought that was actually a really beautiful bipartisan moment as as it should be. It shouldn't be political. I agree. Correct. But, you know, and, and so what happened to that young man was horrifically wrong. On the other hand, there are good, decent, upstanding police officers that go out there day in and day out. And I want the world to know that three of them were shot to death and one of them died of a heart attack this week alone within the past week in this country. A 37-year-old officer was killed. Oops, I just lost you, Jen. Call back. We just lost you. She was just on a point. Jen, call us back, and we'll continue with you in a minute. Let me uh, let me go to John in the meantime as we're waiting for Jen. Uh, sorry about that, John. Go ahead. Um, you have a point that you heard last night on the show. Yeah, uh, Rita, I was going to mention what you would call it. Uh, Biden mentioned there was 70,000 fentanyl deaths. Discuss that I saw that the, there's a national average of 100,000 that was reported by law enforcement if his law enforcement doesn't know how many deaths there are by fentanyl, by the 30,000 difference, it's kind of disgusting that nobody can't give this president the fact that 30, you know, 100,000 people died, not 70,000 were murdered by fentanyl. And, him and, and by, about- by the way, John, too, the other issue, yeah. I was astounded that he even went there because it opens the door to the border. You know, it opens the door to his, like, lack of management at the U.S. southern border. And and a number of Republicans said, you caused it, buddy. And he didn't like that. Exactly. And the other point is he was talking about these machines that detect stuff. Tell me how many machines you're going to need to go over 2,000 miles of border when we had a million people in the last two years that were uncounted. These are the guys jumping across the border in camouflage that don't want to report themselves besides the 4 million that report themselves. And those 1,300 a day, if you average it out, comes out of 1,300 a day for two years, had backpacks with 30 pounds of fentanyl. They could just drop 30 pounds of fentanyl in their backpack. I mean, those machines don't count that unless you stop them over there. And if they do, what happens? They let them loose. No, John, you you hit it on the head. That's exactly. The president is talking about like, okay, well, we need more border officers. They need more border officers to be babysitters, to be, you know, processing uh, these migrants. He's not needing more officers to send them back. And he also made it sound, um, to your point, also about fentanyl. It was like it magically appears. I was waiting for him to go after China. Because it's China that's responsible for bringing the fentanyls in. It's his open border that's responsible for bringing the, board, the fentanyl in. He makes it sound like fentanyl somehow gets on uh, has feet and it walks across the border on its own. As opposed to admitting uh, that he actually has some role in all this. That the open border has some role in this. And somebody's to blame for all of this. He doesn't even blame the illegal uh, immigration. He never once touched on how dare they cross the border illegally. America's not open. You know, I would have loved for him to have said that and also acted on it. He didn't say it and he doesn't act on it. 
We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. John, great points. We're going to continue with Jennifer also. She's called back. We'll take her after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Miss State of the Union. The Rita Cosby Show. We're talking about the misstate of the union. Biden seeming to feel like fentanyl just kind of walks across the border. His open border has nothing to do with it. Uh, and boy, is he tough on China. Does anybody think that? What a joke. And of course, he couldn't help but take a swipe at President Trump. Um, listen to this sort of smear. Again, everything is January 6th. He won't look at his own dismal You know, basically policies on oil and gas. He won't look at his dismal policies on the economy, the spending, spending. He won't look at his dismal policies with foreign policy. Think about Afghanistan withdrawal, Ukraine. You think the way Ukraine started by him saying, hey, a minor incursion and not really getting tough on Putin. I contend that laid the groundwork. It certainly incentivized Putin to go in. And he doesn't even want to talk to Xi about covid I mean, he doesn't even have the guts to talk about the Wuhan lab or COVID. You think he's going to talk about fentanyl with him? Heck no. But yet, last night he couldn't help himself but take a swipe at Trump and basically tie January 6th to Paul Pelosi's attack. Take a listen to this low blow. The last few years, our democracy has been threatened and attacked, put at risk, put to the test in this very room on January the 6th. And then just a few months ago, an unhinged big lie assailing unleashed a political violence, the home of the then Speaker of the House of Representatives, using the very same language the insurrectionists used as they stalked these halls and chanted on January 6th. Here tonight in this chamber is a man who bears the scars of that brutal attack, but is as tough and as strong and as resilient as they get. My friend Paul Pelosi. Yeah, tying Paul Pelosi to January 6th and people who supported Trump. That is shameful. That is so disgusting and such a low swipe and beneath the dignity of the president. We had Bill O'Reilly on the show last night, uh, just after the State of the Union, as you guys know. And Bill brought that out. He was stunned that the president used this opportunity. But it shows that that's where they're going to go. Everything is going to be January 6th again. And there is word tonight That President Biden is reaffirming to people privately, it is my intention, I think, to run in 2024. He feels like uh, he's on a roll after last night. All he has to just go is MAGA, 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 MAGA bad and tell as many lies as he wants to along the way about the economy and everything else. And he thinks that's the strategy. Will it work? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go back to Jen uh, from Boston. Uh, Jen, you're back with us. Go ahead, Jen. Hi, I'm so sorry, Rita. Phone trouble. So thank you for your kindness and taking the call back. Um, I just like I said, there was a just yesterday morning when Biden was giving his State of the Union, there was a 37 year old officer shot to death in Milwaukee. um, And there was a 32 year old the day before that shot to death in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. And a few days before that, in um, Selma, California, a 24-year-old officer. And one of the the officer in California, he, he was expecting his first child, and the um, young man in Pennsylvania left an infant daughter. Um, 
these are heartbreaking stories, and they and and just the the way that he is so dismissive and um, divisive when it comes to police, Rita, I I find it completely appalling. I really do. And the other thing is when he talked about um, the DACA recipients, if you recall. Yes. Okay. So you know. He, he focuses so much on, on the illegals that have come to the country, whether it's the children of illegals or the illegals themselves and how put upon they are and all we should be doing for them. But he never focuses on the human cost. First of all, the fentanyl, which you just talked about, my, my 25-year-old relative, my cousin's son, died. Uh, he didn't know he was taking fentanyl. He took a Xanax lace with fentanyl. He died. He was a great young man. And he struck, he's, he was struggling with his Xanax addiction and he, he succumbed to fentanyl with that. The, the other human toll you talk about, there's a, there were, I don't know what you know, but in Arizona, there was just a rancher in his seventies arrested for murder. He shot um, a six time deported uh, illegal on his ranch. This rancher did, and he's being held on murder one charges. Yes, and by the and, way, that's an interesting story um, because you're right. He said the guy's been on his property, I think, before, uh, felt threatened, and yeah. um, felt that he had to protect himself. And and you're right, Biden doesn't talk about the human cost. He makes it sound like the fentanyl. And I'm so sorry um, you were talking about the, your own personal story there, Jen, of what's happened with people you know. I think almost every American uh, has knows somebody who's been touched by fentanyl. It's that pervasive right now, which is heartbreaking. He makes it sound mm-hmm. like it somehow magically flew across the border. And I thought it was I actually thought it was a good move last night by some of the folks in the GOP, you know, in the chamber who shouted out when he started talking about fentanyl. And spotlighting the guy who, of course, uh, lost a loved one. I thought that was a powerful moment. But I thought it was also great that the GOP said to the president, you caused this, you know, about fentanyl in general. Like he wants to exonerate himself from blame like it suddenly magically comes. And the smearing of officers. I want to touch on that point, Jen, because that that to me was so distasteful. Here it is, mm-hmm. this moment. And again, I think, as you and I just mentioned earlier, to have the far- the parents there of Tyra Nichols, everybody heart- hearts break for them. And what mm-hmm. happened was wrong, obviously, to their son. Um, but but he said, he said last night, what happens happens all too often in America, like making it sound like cops every day are out there to beat African-Americans. And that was Correct. a preposterous, outrageous statement and so divisive from a president who claims that he's the unifier. Uh, your last mm-hmm. thoughts, Jen, because you're right. He, he he made it sound like all cops are bad. And, you know, if you're African-American, uh, you know, duck if you've got an officer near you. That just creates further friction real quick, Jen. And that was terrible. Uh- just, just remember, if all everyone out there, if you need to call someone, you're going to call a cop, and most of them are good, and most of them are trying to do the right thing. Absolutely. Bravo to you. And listen, there were definitely bad apples there, but 99.999% of our law enforcement are heroes. They need to be appreciated and not smeared like this president did. We're going to continue your calls after the break. Thanks, Jen. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Well, Biden, all I've got to say is the president must think that we're all kind of stupid, that we're just going to buy his hogwash. And boy, in the State of the Union address last night, the president made so many statements. I call them misstatements. Maybe some of you use the word lies. I kind of hate to use the word lies when it comes to the president. But boy, uh, whatever he's drinking, he's drinking some really strong stuff because he was out there at the State of the Union saying, oh, yeah, I reduced gas prices from the high that he created. I reduced inflation from the high that his big spending created. Uh, And then he also took the opportunity Um, I thought in a lot of ways to try to smear President Trump, to be divisive. He was sort of slurring his words. Remember, he couldn't even keep track of the name of Tyree Nichols. He was saying Tyler Nichols at one point. He couldn't remember the Ukrainian ambassador's name. It was like, uh, 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 uh. Um, There were these moments where he seemed just totally out of it. And he seemed like a very feeble and senile 80-year-old guy, Um, and then there were other moments where he was, like, aggressive. It was like this passive-aggressive. And was he on something to keep him juiced up to at least have the energy to go up all night? Because at least he made it through that one-hour-plus State of the Union, and at certain points he was, like, pounding his fist, and then at other moments he couldn't remember who was in the room. And, in fact, when he got off the podium, it was this kind of weird moment, like, sort of, where do I walk again? It was almost one of those moments Remember when he's gotten off the stage and he kind of or is like shaking hands with the air? There was that moment also that I saw almost when he got off the podium. Same thing. So he's trying to pretend like he's sort of the tough guy on China and he's the tough guy on the border. But the proof's in the pudding and there isn't any proof there. I mean, he wants us to believe that somehow fentanyl just walks across the border and yet an open border isn't contributing to it. He didn't go after illegal immigration. He basically just said we need more officers who can basically be babysitters for the more immigrants that are coming. He talked about giving them asylum. I mean, where does this end? There was just so much sheer lunacy in the State of the Union address. I almost don't even know where to begin. But one place that I found deeply offensive was when President Biden started talking again about officers And this is how I think that he is running again. And in fact, the word is after the State of the Union, he kind of was skipping and dancing through the tulips and repeating to people close to him. There are reports now that he's saying it is my intention to run in 2024. He thinks that was a blockbuster of a speech. And the reason I think he is planning to run again is because he took the swipe again at law enforcement. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I think, had it right where she said that he is beholden to the far left of his party, the far left that uses the phrase defund the police, uh, get rid of the police, the AOCs, the Rashida Tlaibs, the Cory Bushes, those kind of people. And you saw it in full swing when he was in the State of the Union last night. He brought in Tyree Nichols' parents, and I think totally appropriate to have them there. What happened to their son was deplorable. The beatdown that he got from law enforcement, from African-American law enforcement, uh, was just deplorable. It was absolutely reprehensible and inexcusable, obviously. And those people are charged now with murder, appropriately so. And yet, he used the opportunity 
to take a swipe at law enforcement everywhere, basically to say they're doing this left and right. What they did to Tyree Nichols, he said, happens all too often in America. That, to me, was disgusting. Take a listen to what Biden said, where he smeared basically every good law enforcement officer in America while he was trying to honor Tyree Nichols. To me, that is not honoring Tyree Nichols. Take a listen. We know police officers put their lives on the line every single night and day. And we know we ask them in many cases to do too much to be counselors, social workers, psychologists, responding to drug overdoses, mental health crises, and so much more. In one sense, we ask much too much of them. I know most cops and their families are good, decent, honorable people, the vast majority. But they risk. And they risk their lives every time they put that shield on. But what happened to Tyree in Memphis happens too often. We have to do better. Give law enforcement the real training they need. Hold them to higher standards. Help them succeed in keeping us safe. We also need more first responders and professionals to address the growing mental health, substance abuse challenges. More resources to reduce violent crime and gun crime. More community intervention programs. More investment in housing, education, and job training. All this can help prevent violence in the first place. What about going after the criminals? I didn't hear that. Where did he talk about tougher penalties for criminals? Where did he talk about the revolving door that's happening with criminals? Where did he talk about no cash bail, where criminals just feel so emboldened that they're repeating over and over again? He didn't go into that. He talked about helping the criminals, more mental health programs. That's a good thing, I think. But more job things. All of those are fine. You can try to help people beat the cycle. I think that's a good thing. But you also got to be tough on criminals. I didn't hear him being tough on criminals. I didn't hear him being tough on illegal migration, illegal immigrants coming into our country. And all he did was basically pretend like he's a tough guy on the border. This line also to me was the biggest joke. Listen to him sounding like he's actually doing something with the border. Take a listen to this moment. We now have a record number of personnel working to secure the border, arresting 8,000 human smugglers, seizing over 23,000 pounds of fentanyl in just the last several months. We've launched a new border plan last month. Unlawful migration from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela has come down 97% as a consequence of that. But American border problems won't be fixed until Congress acts. If we don't pass my comprehensive immigration reform, at least pass my plan to provide the equipment and officers to secure the border. And a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, those on temporary status, farm workers, essential workers. Here in the people's house, it's our duty to protect all the people's rights and freedoms. Yeah, including... The migrants, who, by the way, uh, Eric Adams in New York is planning on housing them all in the biggest Holiday Inn that's out there. This is the new one. It's the one in the financial center, uh, courtesy, again, of New York taxpayers. So the plan is, how can we get them in quicker? How can we give them citizenship? 
how can we get more officers so they can be processors? Every border agent you hear from, and in fact, a lot of them testified this week, they said that they're basically there for detentions. They're there to make sure that the pathway is better for them so they can get in. Uh, They're basically taking care of making sure they get food, blankets, all that other stuff, get put up in a New York City hotel, which is continuing. There's no breaking of the cycle, not with this president. And so President Trump aptly rebutted his, this is the Trump rebuttal after the Sarah Huckabee Sanders rebuttal. And he said that Biden was just blowing a whole bunch of smoke last night. And here is President Trump's response to a lot of the comments you just heard. Here's the real State of the Union. Over the past two years, millions and millions of illegal aliens from 160 different countries have stormed across our southern border. Drug cartels are now raking in billions of dollars from smuggling poison to kill our people and to kill our children. Savage killers, rapists, and violent criminals are being released from jail to continue their crime wave. And under Biden, the murder rate has reached the highest in the history of our country. Yeah, and the illegal crossings have reached the highest in the history of our country. So just throw out everything, basically, that President Biden said as like, blank, fact check, wrong, fact check, wrong. You know, it's incredible. By the way, one of the uh, other interesting moments of the State of the Union last night, uh, and again, many of you were with me live when we were covering it here. I tried to dip in and out so you didn't have to listen to too much of it because it was painful. I agree with all of you. So I was like, all right, we can handle only so much of this. Let's go back to reality. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on all of it. 1-800-848-9222 here on the Rita Cosby Show. Uh, was this moment also with George Santos and Mitt Romney? Uh, this is wild. So today, George Santos is firing back. First off, a little bit of backstory. Uh, Mitt Romney went over to George Santos and basically said, what are you doing sort of standing in the line to shake the president's hand? Um, basically saying uh, that he shouldn't be there, that he doesn't deserve to be there at the State of the Union, uh, that he doesn't, quote, belong. And he said that basically the guy has no shame. And Mitt Romney afterwards uh, not only did he say it to Santos's face, of course, the embattled New York congressman who was told more than his share of lies. There's no question about that. Uh, but he also uh, then afterwards repeated it to reporters. So Santos, just a few hours ago, swiped back and said that wasn't very Mormon of Mitt Romney. So that war of words is certainly an interesting tug of war. And who do you think is right? Who's wrong in that fight? It is kind of interesting to see Mitt Romney, who has been flipping and flopping quite a bit in his own career. And by the way, last night, during a lot of the State of the Union address, he was clapping with the Democrats on a number of issues. So, you know, for him to sort of be criticizing George Santos, who, believe me, there's a lot to criticize with George Santos, uh, I personally think. The guy has no shame, and there's so many issues, and clearly a lot of questions, even with his campaign funds. There may be some illegal things behind him beyond lots of lies and fibs with his bio and everything else. Uh, There's a lot to criticize there, but is Mitt Romney the guy to be doing the swipes? Uh, I think that's a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black there. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ real quick on line two. Uh, BJ, your thoughts on the State of the Union. Go ahead. 
Well, if it was up to Joe Biden, Osama bin Laden would be alive today. So uh, if he gets up there and says what a tough guy John Wayne is, you really have to take that with a grain of salt. I found what wasn't said much more uh, powerful. What wasn't said was uh, how he uh, has let the border get overrun. We have 40,000 illegal immigrants this year uh, being bussed into uh, New York. I'm certain there's tens of thousands all over blue cities all over the place. Uh, we had a Supreme Court justice uh, uh, who was almost uh, uh, the victim of uh, a foiled uh, assassination plot, um, uh, and all of this 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 horrible, horrible climate of disrespect and incivility uh, can be traced to the Democrat Party. They're the kings of it. They own it. How did uh, Paul Pelosi get attacked? Well, he was attacked by some nut who decided that they was going to decide to show up at, at Nancy Pelosi's home. But all of this incivility has uh, they uh, the Democrat Party has uh, uh, fingerprints all over it. This nut had nothing to do with what happened on January 6th. But all of this climate of, of uh, uh, I mean, four years, six years, whatever, calling people deplorables, uh, calling people MAGA hat wingnuts and every other uh, uh, expletive in the A book. threat to democracy, basically oh. saying you're not worthy to be in this country. You know, I mean, I agree with you, BJ. And, so, and BJ, you make a great point that um, I found it deplorable. It's like, it's like uh, saying Bernie Sanders is responsible for what happened with the shooting, remember? Because the guy uh, liked Bernie Sanders, remember? I mean, in this case, the loony who uh, hurt Paul Pelosi, which was horrible in that particular case, that loony also, like, was all over the place. Like, at one point, he was a lefty. At one point, um, he was conservative. I mean, he's all over the place, that guy. So there's a lot of questions here. And, and, and BJ, you reminded us of a really important point, because when Joe Biden was in the Situation Room, he was the only guy who said that they shouldn't go in and do the raid for Osama bin Laden. He was the guy who said that SEAL Team 6 shouldn't go in and do it. So you're right. Bin Laden would be alive today uh, because the guy has had no guts and no spine. And we saw that last night as well. We're going to continue with your calls. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Later on in this hour, we're going to also talk about the Hunter Biden investigation because it's heating up, something Joe Biden didn't want to talk about last night. I'll be taking your calls on that later on in the hour. It was the first hearing today that took place on Capitol Hill with the GOP-led Congress. They've been waiting two and a half years at least for this moment. And yet today, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when the Twitter executives were there, who had to admit that, yeah, they made a mistake uh, by not allowing that New York Post story about Hunter Biden and the laptop to come out. Remember, they suppressed it. They blocked the New York Post. I contend that was really election collusion in the sense that the American public, a lot of people didn't know that the laptop existed, that it was real, that the story was real, because they blocked it out. 
That, to me, was basically the disgrace of the election. Think about how many people afterwards in polls said they might have voted differently had they known about the laptop. Because, remember, Joe Biden dismissed it as Russian disinformation. So did all the Democrats. And today, even still, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wouldn't even talk about it. This is cut 14, where she basically was still trying to dismiss it, even though now it's been proven to be a fact. A whole hearing about a 24-hour right-wing political operation. That is why we are here right now. And it is, it, it's just a, an abuse of public resources, an abuse of public time. We could be talking about health care. We could be talking about bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. We could be talking about abortion rights, civil rights, voting rights. But instead, we're talking about Hunter Biden's half-fake laptop story. I mean, this is an embarrassment. It's, first of all, reality now, and it's real that it did influence the election because people didn't know about it. All the polls have showed that people might have voted differently. So I say bravo to the GOP for investigating this. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? To me, it's also indicative of sort of the whole, like, if you tell the story enough, maybe they'll believe you. It's almost like what Biden did last night in the State of the Union. one 800 Let's go to Alex real quick in California. Line two, your thoughts, Al. I just wanted to point out one thing, uh, that Joseph Biden uh, last night, when he mentioned all these political positions that you're criticizing, well, uh, slightly more than half of the U.S. population actually supports those positions. That's how he ended up being elected. And I think this is a consequence of the fact that our open borders have basically changed our country and uh, in a way that some people don't like. And it's at this point, it's too late. So I think a better approach to dealing with Joseph Biden is – Instead of criticizing his positions, uh, talk about how we can live with them. How can we deal with them and accept them as they are because half of the U.S. population supports them? Actually, Alex, uh, that's not correct. Um, Even 37 percent, 37 percent of Democrats want him to run again. So that's Democrats. So that is not a correct statement that half of America is saying rah, rah, Joe Biden. Even the Democrats feel this guy is a mess. And we're not questioning his politics. I'm questioning what he claims is facts because they're actually not facts. I mean, for somebody to actually look America in the eye last night and pretend that he has brought down gas prices like he's the hero of America when he's vilified the oil industry, shut it down uh, and then um, has raised gas prices. And he blames it all on Putin when the prices went up sky high well before Putin invaded Ukraine. Uh, That is a flat out. That is a lie. And and so we have a right to correct that. And even the Democratic Party doesn't really want this guy. And when you saw him last night, couldn't even remember the ambassador to Ukraine's name. Uh, I agree with the 37 percent, not the 37 percent. I agree with the other percentage. I agree with the 63 percent of the Democrats uh, who say, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't the guy for us. Um, So that's not the facts. But, Alex, I appreciate your calls. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Larry. Bring some uh, some sunshine to this moment. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sunshine. I don't think so. First of all, I I just want to say he told a blatant lie, Biden, when he when he said in the address that Congress has to act in order to secure the border. Let me tell you something. I'm not an expert on, on the border, but I'll tell you one thing. 
a few years ago, and, and you could take this as a research project, call somebody from Homeland Security and check this out. A few years ago, I learned that if somebody comes across the border from another country and they don't cross in a, come in a port of, through a port of entry and they run across the border, they have to demonstrate that their life was not in danger only in the country, but their life was in immediate danger. That's why they ran across the border. And if they cannot demonstrate that, their asylum claims are are niched, are completely nil. And by the way, and and Larry, you bring up a great point that not only are, I think it's uh, 90% plus, if you talk to all the border executives, and we've had a number of them on the show, some of the senior folks, 90% do not qualify under that standard. So you're absolutely correct. They're not asylum seekers. He just wants to have them all in the country regardless. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great military and their families. A beautiful story coming from Boston, Massachusetts, where veteran Frank Lennon says that he was luckier than most when he returned from Vietnam. He said that, sadly, most of his fellow returning Vietnam veterans, 27 of those did not get such a soft landing. Well, at a TD Garden Arena hockey game against the L.A. Kings, the Boston Bruins recognized veteran Frank Lennon for his overall military service recently. His time in Vietnam and his efforts in support of veterans and veterans organizations over the years. During a TV timeout, the stadium posted a tribute up on the big jumbotron, and then they cut to a live shot. The crowd reaction was incredible. Even the hockey players were banging their sticks on the boards, whereupon Lennon said he was, quote, totally blown away. He also said that so many strangers stopped him afterwards, saying, thank you for your service. Welcome home, brothers. And he brought, it basically brought him to tears. He said that most of the guys didn't come back to a warm welcome. Most of us experienced almost nothing when we got home, and that was worse in its own way. So to have this tonight made me feel so, so special. And welcome home to veteran Frank Lennon, a great Vietnam veteran who was recognized, and of course to all of the great Vietnam veterans out there, and of course their families. We love you and we appreciate you here on The Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about President Biden and his speech last night. Of course, also, this comes as there were hearings today on Hunter Biden. That's the one thing Joe Biden certainly doesn't want to talk about. Um, But if you listen to, like, the liberal response to Joe Biden's meandering and, at some points, very nasty State of the Union address that he claimed was a unity speech, uh, some people on the left seem to think that Joe Biden is like William Shakespeare, 
Uh, listen to how Jonathan Carl, the reporter, described this. He's, of course, the ABC News correspondent covering the White House. This is how he described uh, Joe Biden, a.k.a. William Shakespeare, last night. This was a highly unusual State of the Union address, but this is one of the best speeches that Joe Biden has delivered as president. He came across as optimistic, hopeful. Uh, He seemed to be having a good time up there. And even when he was delivering some of those harsh attacks on Republicans, he was doing it with a smile. Not the name calling he's done in the past. There was no talk of MAGA, you know, extremists, ultra MAGA Republicans. Uh, And the reaction to the from the Republicans Uh, At least the backbench Republicans who were heckling him and jeering him played exactly into his message. They made the contrast. He was able to, for a moment anyway, George, portray the Republican opposition as a bunch of angry hecklers, uh, people that, uh, that, that were bitter and rude. Is there anybody out there that thinks Joe Biden was like the mastermind last night? Uh, he sure came across, I thought in many cases, Nasty. I disagree with Jonathan Carl. I think he took that swipe, that January 6th swipe, remember, equating the people who were supporting President Trump uh, to the loony guy who attacked Paul Pelosi. That was an outrageous comparison. That was a disgusting and beneath the office of the president comparison. Um, and then he also, like, couldn't remember, you know, so many facts. And especially he was touting Ukraine. He went on and on about how great he was keeping NATO together even though he is a weak president, and I contend that's why Putin invaded. And then when it came to the moment where he was supposed to remember the ambassador's name, he couldn't remember it. Remember this one. I got to keep playing it because it epitomized, I think, a man who was getting very senile. Take a listen. We did what America always does at our best. We led. We united NATO. We built a global coalition. We stood against Putin's aggression. We stood with the Ukrainian people to tonight. We're once again joined by Ukrainians ambassador to the United States. She represents not her, just her nation, but the courage of her people. Ambassador, is, our ambassador is here, united, we're in uniting our support of your country. Will you stand so we can all take a look at you? Because I can't remember your name, even though I should, because it's my biggest foreign policy thing that I tout left and right. And then he couldn't remember when the Super Bowl was. This was the beginning of the speech. He tried to do that dumb joke about Jill Biden. And uh, we're going to get to the kiss in the moment, the Jill Biden smoochy smoochy with uh, the second man with Kamala Harris's husband. That was a weird moment, too, which a lot of people are talking about. Um, but here he is talking about Jill Biden going to the Super Bowl. And remember, he said this Tuesday night. And this is when he thinks the Super Bowl is. Take a listen. By the way, Chief Justice, I may need a court order. She gets to go to the, the game tomorrow, uh, next week. I have to stay home. <laughs> Got to work something out here. Uh, uh, when is the game? It's always on Sunday. He claims he's a sports guy. He couldn't remember that. And that was at the beginning of the speech. I mean, that went, it all went downhill from there. One thing he certainly didn't want to talk about, of course, was Hunter Biden. And today they had the hearings that took place on Capitol Hill. Congressman James Comer, who is leading the House Oversight Committee, says that boy was at an enormous disservice. We might not have Joe Biden as president if the Hunter Biden laptop story came out. It came out, of course, in the New York Post, but immediately Twitter censored the story and then they censored the New York Post. And they did it 
within literally days of the election. Think about the impact of that. There were polls that were taken right after the election of people who said, had they known that about Joe Biden, that it was true, as opposed to Russian disinformation, which was the message from Twitter and many in the Democratic Party. Joe Biden said it during the debate. But had Americans known that it was true, there are many polls that consistently showed they might not have voted for Joe Biden. Maybe they might have voted for Trump. Maybe they might have stayed at home. Either way, it might have had a tremendous impact on the election. So I contend Twitter and the Biden administration, the Biden group at that time, because they hadn't yet become to office, but that they all colluded together to basically shut the story out because it was negative about Joe Biden. They worked together. They orchestrated it. And you could contend that that truly was election interference. And here is James Comer, who's head of the Oversight Committee, saying why it is so important that they get to the bottom of it as they were grilling social media execs today. Take a listen. One survey found that 70 percent of Biden voters would not have voted for the Biden-Harris ticket if they'd known about the Biden laptop. But many Americans did not know about it because of a coordinated cover-up by big tech, the swamp, and mainstream news. Now mainstream media outlets have verified the laptop, but the damage has been done. Yeah, the damage is done. And so today the Twitter executives were like, yeah, we made a mistake. We should have put it up there. They contended that obviously the story is true because now all the other mainstream media are reporting it. Uh, They had to uh, two years too late. Uh, But they said, oh, we're so sorry. We made a mistake. We we thought it was Russian disinformation. Uh, You are jimmying with an election. And now all you the best you can do is say, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, Sean Duffy says, sorry, just doesn't cut it. Take a listen. Yeah, well, the American people deserve to have all the information about all the candidates. And Twitter did a fantastic job of making sure that the American people, the American voter, didn't have all the information on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. But Jimmy Raskin, as you came in to us, uh, uh, Harris, was asking the question, you got your hearing. We exposed the information. What more do you want? That was his question. What more do you want? I'll answer it for him. We want to make sure this never happens again. We want to make sure that... There is an open and consistent debate across all platforms where everyone can have their views shared. And we don't have truth censors, which really are Democrat censors that uh, censor conservative information. Yeah, and that's why I contend uh, it is going to be a rough two years for Joe Biden, whether he runs for re-election again, because they're going for it. They're going to now start eventually. This was the sort of opening salvo, if you will. But the GOP is also going to be asking for bank records tied to Hunter Biden and the money. Did money go to the, quote, big guy? Was his father compromised with China? Could that be why he's soft on China? Does China have something on him? It's a it's an honest question. We don't know. It's a question mark. I'm not saying it does, but it certainly is fishy. If you look at the fact that money went to Hunter Biden, huge amounts of money, and suddenly It's Russian disinformation. They want to dismiss anything tied to the laptop. Now we know it's real. And he is totally soft on China. In fact, uh, the toughest he can do is hit down a balloon that spends eight days hovering and getting surveillance over American sensitive military sites. And he doesn't even question China about the Wuhan lab or COVID virus. So it's going to get really ugly once they get to the paper trail And they see if indeed there is money that went to family members. Was there policy change? We know Biden has not told the truth about when he said, oh, I've never met the business partners. 
You know, this is not about Hunter Biden. This is about Joe Biden and if he's compromised. And a guy who sounded awfully weak about China last night in the State of the Union address at a time where he should have laid it to the table. He should have put them to the mat last night after what they did. After surveilling our country with a hot air balloon, you don't even have the guts to shoot it down till after it's gone across the country, not when it's hovering above before. And you don't even have the guts to call them out last night. Shame on you. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, your thoughts. Yeah. Hi, Rita. Uh, Two or three quick things. Very quick. First of all, uh, his speech was a joke, complete joke. He totally avoided the reality of what, what, what is going on. Secondly, the, the, the problem of communication, simple communication with, with people and just speaking coherently, he's, he's on something. I could tell you that. The man's on something, that's for sure. They've got to make sure he's got the best doctors giving him the best pills to, to make him sound credible. But uh, he still can't remember, and that's that's a problem. You know the what? You know. By the way, not, Phil, and, and and I will let you answer. You know what I thought about last night? Whatever they gave him didn't kick in until later into the speech. Because did you notice a lot of the fumbles were at the beginning of the speech when you would think he would be yes. fumble free, but at the beginning he was like, "Ba, uh, 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 when's the Super Bowl? Who's the Ukrainian ambassador? Uh, is uh, Chuck Schumer, who I've known for you know sixty years?" Is he the Senate minority leader or majority leader? I don't know. He got a little more feisty in clarity. Like, I feel like at some point somebody like gave him a jolt underneath or a shot under the table. And then he suddenly like woke up midway. What did you think of that? Well, yeah, that's that's a fact. You're absolutely right on that account. But the thing is, it, it's, a, you know, time to lay capsule. Uh, but the, the interesting thing here is just one thing that really disturbed me. Look, I'm a military guy. I'm a vet. I served my time in the, in the armed forces. We know. And by yeah, the I'm way, a- that's I love you anyway, Phil, but I love you even more because I know of that. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you for your, your uh, thought. The thing is, what worries me is you've got you've got upwards of several thousand, about four or five thousand young adult men, anywhere from ages 16 through 20 something housed in hotels in the city, they're all, <laughs> excuse me, they're mostly men. 90% of them are men. Now, my, my fear is that's a, that's a Trojan horse. That could be, well, a Trojan horse. These people can just get a hold of knives and guns, and they could take, they could take a hell of a lot of damage into the city. We don't know who they are, what they are, or what their intent is. If they're demonstrating their conduct by tearing the hotel apart and, not, and throwing away food that's expensive as hell to buy, and, and just ignoring the police, what's next? Are they going to pick up arms and, and try something? It could be. It's a Trojan horse, I'm telling you. Well, and it, by the way, it is scary, Phil, uh, to your point that they're not being vetted. And as you bring up the point, um, a lot of them are single adult males. Remember, they didn't even want to leave the hotel um, in uh, New York, the Watson Hotel, the nice four-star hotel. And now um, sort of to add insult to injury and to put us in an even more vulnerable position, as you're just saying, Phil, they're, they're putting even more uh, migrants, by the way, up in. They're creating a new relief center, um, Holiday Inn in Manhattan. It's the financial district, and it's the biggest Holiday Inn uh, that they have. They have uh, 492 rooms uh, to assist adult families, single adult women, and others. Others are going to that Brooklyn Relief Center, but they're continuing to bring them in. As you heard from Biden last night, he's not changing his policies. He's thinking he's doing everything right. So you're right. He, that's what's so scary. 
And if you talk to these border folks, they feel frustrated because they're basically told, turn a blind eye, be a babysitter, don't turn them back. And he even brought up the word asylum last night. Give them asylum, he's talking about. He's not saying, uh, let's beef up border security. He's not saying, uh, boy, I've done the wrong thing. He's saying, let's keep going. And, and, and you bring up a great point. It is really scary what's happening. Uh, let's go to Sandra in New Jersey real quick. Sandra, your thoughts. You, you want to talk, I understand, about that weird, bizarre, uh, the kiss. That was a bizarre moment. Oh, I thought that was a little unusual. I, I didn't expect to see that. So maybe there's something going on, maybe not. But that's really nothing. I don't care about that. What I did notice was, did you, is it normal for the commanders not to stand at all when, when the speaker speaks? Or maybe they just didn't like what he had to say. I wondered about that. Then I wondered, I noticed how small Nancy Pelosi appeared in my eyes now, which I'm kind of glad about. And then I saw her husband with his hat on. Maybe he has injuries that are, you know, hurtful and, and he has to wear a hat. I was thinking about that from the uh, incident that happened. And by, what by, else the way, by the way, by the way, Sandra, I agree with you on the hat. I actually, because remember, he was hit in the head by the hammer and he's had uh, surgery. So maybe there's a scar or some, you know, bandages or something. And I think that that probably was. A lot of people thought he looked like a mob guy. Um, you know, it was like the dark hat and the whatever. But I, I, I had sympathy very much for him because I thought that after what he went through. Um, and uh, typically the military usually doesn't clap, uh, nor does typically also the Supreme Court, nor do they clap. Um you know, what was really wild last night where there were times where the GOP was just shouting him down um, and the Democrats kind of let it uh, because I think even some Democrats just think this guy is out to lunch. We're going to continue your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the State of the Union, which, according to Biden, is everything's just fine. Come on over the border. No problem. Don't worry if you hover over our skies. Maybe at some point I might take it out a day late and a dollar short, eight days late and a dollar short. By the way, they're still picking up debris. Uh, They said the debris area is like several miles uh, wide. Of course, a lot of it's at the bottom of the ocean. But boy, Biden's claiming that was a victory. And there are so many questions. Uh, Phil was just talking about so many of these single males that are coming through. And a number of you talked about also Larry was saying how a lot of these guys, they wouldn't technically qualify for asylum. They absolutely would not. Um, We've had a lot of the folks who were head of ICE and head of CBP, Customs and Border Protection, who've said that basically over 90 percent would not qualify for asylum technically because they're not fleeing because they're being persecuted eminently in their country. They're just coming to America because it's a great country. That's why I don't blame them for coming here. I blame us for not enforcing the law. Let's go to Frank from O Canada. Uh, Frank, your thoughts on all of this. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. I love talking to you, like I said. Um, that, that was the most bumbling idiot I've ever seen. And, like, I've been watching this. I'm 60 years old now. And I've never seen, and my father, we and you had to be silent and listen to that. The United States president, you know, State of the Union, whatever. And I'll shh, okay. And I'm the youngest of seven. And unbelievable, the lies. 
the, I don't know, it's just insane. It's like, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to change track so quickly. And I love your Back to Blue, and I've ran into somewhat friends and somewhat strangers in the last three days and how they're running down police, and I just can't believe that. And oh, I, it's I, outrageous. And, Frank, uh, this president just salted the wound last night. Um, I thought it was that was one of the most outrageous comments where he basically said, you know, uh, what happened to Tyree Nichols, which was deplorable and absolutely should be condemned, happens all too often in America, like making it sound like police are out to beat African-Americans all the time in America. And that was a preposterous comment and outrageous comment and only causes more racial division and more animosity to police, which already have a very tough job. And I contend our law enforcement, 99.999, are the greatest people in the entire world, 99.999%. Uh, it is such a slim amount uh, that uh, do something wrong. And the rest of them are just trying to protect all of us, and we should count our blessings. And our president doesn't seem to appreciate them. It's disgusting. And that's why I think he was giving a campaign speech last night, because that was the same kind of rhetoric we heard right before uh, he announced he was running the last time. And that saddens me, because that's what's ahead uh, for the next two years. This is not a unifier in chief. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk. Go ahead, Robert. Line five, your thoughts. Hey, Robert, are you there? Call us back, Robert. Let's go to Dave on line four. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Dave, you're here. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, hi. I want to say maybe we should get a poll out there. Knowing all that has transpired in the last two years, would you, in retrospect, have voted for Trump as opposed to Biden? Repeat that again, Dave. Go ahead. Sorry, repeat that again. We should should get a poll out there. Uh, Given that all given all of what has transpired in the last two years, would you, in retrospect, have uh, preferred for voting for Trump as opposed to Biden? That's a great, that that's a case. good point. And by the way, I brought up the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, too, um, at the same time, because a lot of people said had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop, they would not have voted for Biden. And that's including Democrats, a lot of Democrats. So that could have swayed the election 1000 percent. And you just even heard President Trump Yeah, look, a lot of mean tweets, um, some crazy rhetoric. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. On the other hand, look at the record. Our border was safe. Our economy was stable. Uh, World leaders feared us. China feared us. Russia feared us. Um, A lot of people would say, boy, I'll take a mean tweet over uh, what's going on with fumbly bumbly Joe and an open border that we will be paying the price for generations to come. Good points, Dave. Uh, Let's go to Mark in Kansas. Line eight. Go ahead, Mark. Your yeah, thoughts. How you doing? Uh, just to give you an idea, I was uh, with the travel pool with Reagan in 81. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I'm sitting here looking at pictures of Biden reading his speech last night from a three-ring binder. Yeah, what did you make Not of that? The... What did you make of that, Mark, as someone who's been there on the front? And, Mark, I know who you are now. You are one of the greatest photographers ever, covered the White House. I know exactly who you are. Um, uh, right. And you and I covered Washington together, and so it's great to have you right. call, my friend. What, yeah, what did you I make? Was he, he was fumbly. Rita, I could not believe he had the, his speech. I'm looking at photos right now of him reading the speech from a three-ring binder. They are double-spaced in very large type. He had everything printed out for him, and he still couldn't get it right. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mark. And you have seen many of them, my friend. Uh, Mark, so great to have you call in. Someone who's been there on the front lines. And you and I have witnessed many a state of a union. And this president, to think of two more years, let alone six? Yikes. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.